Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. Chapter 30, Follow-Up, Reflections on the FTJA Experience. I'm the Professional Development Officer at Region Legal Service Office, Mid-Atlantic, and I am talking to Shauna Morris and Aaron Spencer, and right now um, it is 7.30 a.m. on May 10th, and they are in two different places um, split across the world here. So I'm sitting in Norfolk um, on my Surface Pro while uh, Aaron Spencer is sitting in Guam and Shauna Morris is sitting in Sasebo. So we decided to get back together after recording our first podcast back in March, 2018. And I first talked to uh, Shauna and Aaron because they were first tour judge advocates here at RILSO and they both received orders for their second tour to go overseas. So at the time we did the podcast to talk about the challenges of um, PCSing overseas and how they felt as second tours getting those, those orders. Um, back then, if you recall, we talked about meeting uh, six months later, getting a phone con together so that we, we could record a follow-up podcast to say, okay, guys, you're six months in and how do you feel? And uh, if you're paying attention to the dates here, um, it is May 10th, 2019. So we are far, far past are six months and um, I can hear Aaron laughing in the background. That's okay. Um, I appreciate I appreciate that. We've been kind of busy here at the RILSO, um, but, uh, and they have been busy too. Right now we are uh, over a year follow-up, which I think is still a good time, right guys? Absolutely. There Absolutely. we go. Yep. All, in All in agreement. Um, so the year follow-up is still important because um, Shauna and Aaron, I still wanna talk to you about the transition um, and the process of getting overseas and how you all settled in. And really now you've had a year in your job. So I expect you are both subject matter expertise in your respective fields. Um, and I'll, uh, Aaron, I'll start with you. You are currently, um, you've been in Guam for just uh, over a year and you're the SGA for Submarine Squadron 15. So can you talk a little bit about um, the transition there and, and how you're doing? Sure. Um... So the transition to Guam was, it was both easy and difficult. Um, the submarine community is very supportive. Um, and uh, I got here and um, my, the person I was relieving said, um, she did, she had a great turnover ready for me. And we had like two or three days and then she's like, all right, I'm going hiking in Nepal. So, you know, here you go. And uh, <laughs> um, it, Finding a, a place to live in Guam is different than finding a place to live anywhere. And I think having talked to Shauna and having talked to people all over, um, finding a place to live is different no matter where you go. So it's so important to find out how it is that you find a place. You know, So in Guam, um, you have to get a realtor because a lot of buildings won't talk to you if you don't have one. And um, you don't pay them. The, the, the buildings that you rent from pay them. But then... Um, <clears throat> Housing has to come out and inspect the place and approve it and approve the lease. And and there's some military clauses that go into the leases. The whole process took me, it wasn't just a 10-day house hunting process. It, it took me the better part of 30 days to find a place um, and then get moved into it. 
uh, and buy a car because if you remember, I sold my car before I came out here, which turned out to be a good move, actually. And then Shauna, how about you? Um, obviously, going out to uh, Sasebo, this was your second tour. Um, what was your experience? So I know Aaron said that um, he had 30 days before he found housing. I, I upped that with like almost 60 days. Um, I actually found my apartment within the first two days arriving in Sasebo, um, but it was an apartment that belonged to the Jag who was just about to leave. And the way that the Japanese housing market for foreigners works is that you don't actually get a real estate agent. You go to the housing office on base. There are a bunch of flyers. You pick a maximum of three and you take those to the front desk and they will get you a real estate agent who speaks English to drive you to these different locations. If you like one, you need to make uh, an offer on it that day. Um, because if you don't, then someone else will come along and make an offer on it. Um, I did not go that road. I actually found the apartment that I wanted because the prior Jag had his. And so I just thought, oh, well, I can just transfer this link. You can't do that. So I had to wait quite a long time, almost 60 days um, before I could move in. It was a very convoluted process. That's not the normal process for people. Um, if someone comes over to Sasebo with a family, uh, they will move into base housing, and that is very easy. Um, but if they come over to Sasebo and they are single, then they do have to go through that process with the uh, housing office on base, where you select three, you go and look at them. If you don't like any of the three, then you come back next week and you can look at another three until you find the place of your dreams. And then you pay all of that money for the rent and the down payment um, up front. So you should probably have about five I, I needed about five grand okay so I, I remember before you left i talked to both of you about you know making sure that you did the dislocation allowance um and you both took advantage of that so hopefully that was a little you know helpful information and helpful information for anybody going forward um how about the uh the transition to the job i mean you left here both of you um in uh march of of 2018 and you left an FTJ program. And I know, Aaron, you were part of sort of a, a different time where we moved, um, you know, rotations a little bit more than, than normal. Now we're, you know, we're doing the 6612. But talk to me a little bit about um, your transitions to just the job and getting used to what you were, you were supposed to be doing. And Sean, I'll start with you because you did not, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you did not do a defense rotation, but you are the branch head for the, um, uh, DSO Pacific branch office, Sasebo. You are correct. Um, I did not do a defense rotation at all before leaving uh, Norfolk, but um, I was really lucky I got into some defense training um, in San Diego there before I left. And then once I got here, I was sent to a few more defense trainings. Um, and just being here in Sasebo, um, I had the opportunity to pick up the phone and call anybody in the Yokosuka office and get an answer if I wasn't certain about something. Um, I could call the Hawaii office as well, but they are um, on a different time zone than us, um, so that can be a bit challenging. Um, and then, of course, there's another attorney in Guam who was uh, very experienced, and so I called on him several times. So I had a good group of people that I could rely on 
uh, for those things that I just did not have the experience to know off the top of my head yet. But um, yeah, it was it was quite the learning curve. And then Aaron, how about you? So I when I did my command services rotation, I'd gone out to Oceana um, to be the base jack there for about uh, four or five months because their um, their jack had gone on maternity leave. And then I spent a year in defense. And I really think that a defense, because a, a defense rotation is the best preparation for your first job as an SJA, honestly. Um, so I got out here, and the submarine community is, well, it's it's a little strange. And um, it's a lot like the SEALs community. <laughs> it's like the SEALs in that you have to be qualified in that community to do anything. And if you get disqualified from that community, you can't stay in it. And so the submarine community has its own personnel manual that is called the Subpersman that is an extension of the Millpersman. And I, I'm i on Guam, and so I'm on the other side of the international dateline, like Shauna is in Japan. But um, <clears throat> there are eight Navy JAGs on Guam. And then my next person up in the chain of command is uh, Captain Sasha Garonsky at Subpack. There's no um, group between us, the squadron, and Subpack. So actually, my ability to reach out to get help um, on something, especially something submarine-specific, is very limited. Uh, so I have Captain Garonsky for about half the day, Tuesday through Friday. <laughs> um, and then uh, Lieutenant Commander Dave Warning is over at um, Submarine Group 7 in Yukoska, but um, they don't have any units that are dedicated to them. So he doesn't deal with a lot of the you know, military justice or SJA type issues. He's That's like a very purely operational law kind of job. So um, we lean very heavily on each other out here in Guam. Uh, there are two, the two uh, Submarine Tender Jags, the Base Jag, um, and then the region um, JAG is uh, Commander Sylvain Wong. And so we're a very tight community because we've got really no one to lean on but each other. <laughs> well, I think that's great that you're using your network, even though they're not in your specific um, field. Uh, I do want to hit on something you said because you said uh, because of the, the time zones, you know, things get difficult. Let's just talk a little bit about how difficult it was even just getting this podcast up and running. Forget the technology challenges <laughs> with, you know, Skype not working and not being able to find each other on business Skype versus regular Skype. And also, I know me causing the biggest problem because I've had 17 Skype accounts since uh, Skype was first created, uh, you know, when I don't even know what, what the... Uh, the time was there, but I know there's technology challenges um, just trying to get us set up. I mean, you know, like I said, it, it's Friday for me and it's uh, about seven in the morning. So Shauna, I, I can't even recall what time it is for you. Uh, it is 8.48 p.m. Friday evening. Right. And then uh, Aaron? It's 9.48 p.m. here. Okay. So, so we're all over the place, but I'm glad we got together in this. Um, so I know it sounds like you had some challenges there, but now, like I said, you're a year over a year in. How are you both doing? Um, so I'll go ahead. Uh, oh, okay. Um, so I I think you know from if I compare how I was when I first got to here to how I am now, um, I think you know it's made a huge a year has made a huge difference. I'm far more comfortable in my environment. Um, 
I'm far more comfortable in my job. Uh, still not quite used to the humidity. Nobody warns you about the humidity in Sasebo. I have like three dehumidifiers running at all hours of the day during the summer, and I still get mold. Uh, not something that is advertised when you look at Japan. Um, well, then there's no yeah. doubt your experience here at the Rolso um, prepared you because everybody, <laughs> I think, at the Jaguar is aware of building A50 on board Naval Station Norfolk. So I'm glad that we prepared you. I, I feel like I should pass this word well. um, <laughs> over to the CO. Uh, but yes, I think um, doing well a, a year out makes a huge difference. Um, and I can't believe I only have a year left. Um, so it's been a world. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel bad for Sean at all because I live on a tropical <laughs> island. <laughs> you have a wind. That it's very close to the equator. We do have a sea breeze and I do have a really nice condo that overlooks the ocean. So I, I will say that is nice. Um, but. See uh, how he prefaces that? Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I, I see that. And, I, and because we all see all of you on Facebook, we also know that while you're working hard, you're also playing hard and you're living, uh, living good lives. So we're, we're happy to see that. Yeah, no, the, 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 a year in, I, I feel um, fairly confident in my job. Um, I really actually do like working for the suburban community. I think they're great. And the people that I work with um, are awesome. Um, my job is, uh, is fantastic. And I really like uh, SJA work. It's interesting. I found that it was the best way for me to integrate myself into the staff um, was to continue to try to be value added. So, I mean, I know I do I do my job. Well, I mean, according to the, the people I work for, I do my job pretty well. So that's good. But my legal assistance abilities were actually my best asset when I first got there for integrating myself into a staff of people that don't know much about what JAGs do. So when they came to me with random questions um, and you, you know, and, and it takes just like a letter or something really easy to help them have sort of an effect in their lives, uh, then they start looping you in to all of the professional questions that they have or the things that are going on uh, at work that they think, oh, I don't know, JAG might have insight into this and that I use legal assistance to integrate myself into the staff and it worked pretty well. I think that's great too because and everybody knows as an SJ you, you don't lose that um, that legal assistance hat it's always valuable um, so that, that's a good uh, professional tip there and and sort of speaking of integrating yourself into the process now you and I have kept in touch I've kept you you know looped in you know through sort of PDO network to make sure that we don't lose track of you um, you know while you're in Guam but uh, we talked pretty recently you know around um, fit rep time about your fit rep and your fit rep input. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how important it is to be thinking of those things when you're outside of NELSC and, and uh, staying connected to the community? Sure, so my boss is a submarine commodore. He is a senior 06 um, who is post command. So he's been in command of a submarine as an 05 and then um, had another tour and a shore tour at what he put on 06 and then now he's uh, in command of a, a submarine squadron. And so he knows a lot about fit reps for line officers, but he doesn't know a lot about fit reps for staff officers. And luckily for me, he is pretty cognizant of that. So um, I generally send my fit reps to two or three senior JAGs to look at and then send back to me. And the one concept that I had 
a hard time that I had to use Captain Gronsky to get across was, um, and we talked about this, that when he, when he gave me my year, my periodic pit rep, he had me just under his Risca. And, you know, I talked to a couple of Jags about that and they said, oh, you, you really need to go talk to him about that. <laughs> and that was an awkward conversation. I thought it was going to be an awkward conversation, but then I, I just went to him and I said, look, I, sorry, I talked to these, these Jags and they said, this is not a great thing for me. Um, as far as fit reps go. And he goes, Oh, well, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to send any kind of message to your board. It's no problem. And then he just changed it. So I was just barely above his risk. And it, you know, wasn't a problem because he was cognizant enough to recognize that he doesn't know much about how Jags promote or how our fit reps are supposed to be. So having that conversation turned out to be really easy and he turned out to be very receptive to it. And Aaron, I'm going to, we lost a little bit of the connection here, at least on my end. Um, so I just want to make sure we capture that. But generally the issue is, you know, you got a line officer writing a fit rep, puts you slightly below the RISCA, um, doesn't intend to send a negative message. Um, but, you know, other JAGs mentoring you said, hey, this could be an issue for you. Let If you're really a rock star, like he should, he should um, you know, convey that via the fit rep. You were able to go back. You felt comfortable going back due to your relationship, and there you were able to get the fit rep changed. And now, um, you know, you have your rock star fit rep, um, which is what he intended to do. He just wasn't really tracking the impact on your career. Is that pretty much sum it up? That's correct. So um, we've been going for a little while here. I want to make sure. I think the biggest um, and most important topic to talk about is your advice to. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a second tour, but you just happen to, to go overseas in your second tour. So any advice to, you know, the FTJAs or anyone else that's going to be, you know, taking orders, kind of going outside of their comfort zone and going to, you know, these far-flung places. Um, Shauna, any advice that you would offer now that you're over a year in, um, looking back saying, I wish I'd known this or wish someone had told me or this is just some good advice? So I think um, the one thing that, I, I sort of learned a little bit late and, and now I harp on uh, for people coming in is keep track of your um, finances when you move to a new place. And particularly if you move to an independent duty location uh, where you don't have a strong you know, uh, headquarters staff with you to, to track, help you track that sort of thing. Um, you know, there are a lot of um, allotments that you might be entitled to when you move overseas. And if you're not tracking your finances, if you're not checking in with PSD, uh, you might not notice at first, but you certainly will later that those didn't end up in your bank account like they were supposed to. Um, or maybe there was an extra form that you needed to turn in. And um, so I think that was, for me, the biggest thing, uh, just making sure that I kept track of all of those documents and, and where they were in the process and that I was my own advocate and all these different offices that needed to get copies of things um, to make sure that I got uh, all of that money in the end. And Aaron, how about you? Any um, additional advice, something specific to Guam or just in general, post-FTJA advice? I mean, anything like that? Yeah, I would say two things. I would say one, um, especially if you're somewhere like me, um, or Shauna's in Japan, but she's you know, in southern Japan, far from Yokosuka. Um, if you're somewhere remote, uh, get to know the JAGs that are in your area. It's so important mm -hmm. because 
we all lean on each other so much. And when someone travels, like whether it's the base JAG or the legal assistance attorney out here or whoever, we all cover down because we all want someone to cover down for us when we leave. And you don't have a lot of people to ask for help. So everybody, sometimes you just have to put your heads together and it's the blind leading the blind and, you know, you just kind of figure it out. Um, and I think the second thing I would say is, is definitely take these jobs, take these jobs and go out and work in yes. independent duty locations. Um, and when you're there, take, get, take the opportunity to learn about the communities that you're with. Because um, I show an interest in the submarine community and everyone that I work with appreciates that. And that helps me integrate myself into the staff. And it helps me understand the issues that the submarine community is facing so that I can help you know, them deal with their problems better. Um, so it's not just about legal work. They're not expecting you to be an operator, but they are expecting you to be interested in a base level of knowledge that will, you know, help, help you help them. And so Aaron said, get involved with your communities. And, and he was talking about the legal communities, um, or excuse me, in the staff communities. But I would also say, get, make sure you get involved with the communities of wherever you are. Uh, one of the best things that I think uh, a lot of people miss out on when they come to Japan, if they're in Sasebo in particular, um, is getting involved with the local Japanese community. Um, they they don't see a lot of foreigners out here in the Kyushu region. So if you go just a little bit further into Saga or um, out to Hiroshima, they might not see a lot of foreigners and you can have some really valuable, really wonderful interactions with people and, and create lifelong friendships that, if you just stay on base the whole time, you never will. Did I lose you guys? No, we're still here. Well, I think, Aaron, you're still there. I'm still here. Is Denise still here? I don't think so. It still says she's recording the call. <laughs> <laughs> so they can, they can splice this together. Yeah, sure. Chop it down, splice it together. We'll give her a, a second to see if she comes back. Can you... Can you both hear me? We're losing connection just a little bit. Yeah, we can now. And we're gone again. We lost her again. Well, we're still here. I don't think it's us. I think it's her. Well, yeah. That building. Yeah. Building A50. <laughs> Wait. There was something. Can you both hear me? We can now. Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you hear you? Aaron, Shauna. Yes. Yes. I don't think she can hear us anymore. Hello. So. We're here. We're here. Okay. Can you? Okay. So yes. we lost um, connection here for for like a good minute. Um, we'll just uh, keep pressing forward. If you can hear me, we're about to wrap up anyway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yes, yeah, so there's there's a good minute that uh, we lost there. Um, I, Shauna, the last that came through here, and uh, maybe we can fix this, maybe we can't, but this is the reality of uh, using technology and getting to talk overseas. So um, if, it, if this gets published in its current form, I'd be happy because that just shows, you know, we're working through the issues. Um, but the last thing that we, uh, you know, I captured here is that, um, you know, it's important to reach out to the JAG network that's local to you. Also the staff community, I mean, I'm sorry, the line community that's um, in your area, but also the local um uh, community where you're stationed, which I think is hugely important as well. Um, I'll, I'm going to cut us uh, off here so that we don't end up losing connection again. Um, and we're about 25 minutes in, but it was uh, great talking to both of you. 
and hearing all the success, um, you know, after your, you know, your post FTJ tours that you took a risk and you both went, um, you know, overseas and you're doing great things out there. I'll put in a plug for you, even though I'm not your PDO and I'm not sure how much sway I have, but I know, Aaron, you're looking for DC and San Diego. I'm always out there supporting the people. Um, and then Shauna, you're looking at DC, San Diego and Hawaii. Um, and I know you two uh, have remained friends since the FTJ program, have even traveled together. So hopefully um, there's uh, room to get you guys stationed together someday. I don't know if there's a, a best friend colo, but if anyone can do it, the Jet can do it. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, guys. Well, it was great talking to both of you. Um, we miss you here at the Rolso and uh, wish you the best of luck. And we'll follow up with you years from now when you're uh, lieutenant commanders and commanders and, and all that good stuff. Great. Thank you. We miss you, too. All right. All right. Take care, guys. You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.